Here we go, here we go. Woo, okay. Try not to yell at you. Here we go. Uh, this Sunday and next Sunday left in the church here, and then that's the end of us. So uh, we'll see what happens. There, is that a little bit better? Can you still hear? That all right? All right, good. Okay, here we go. Second last Sunday of the church here, the judgment of the world. We must all appear before the judgment of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10. O Lord Jesus Christ, before whose judgment seat we must all appear and give account of the things done in the body, grant, we beg you, that when the books are opened in that last day, the faces of your servants may not be ashamed. Through the merits, O blessed Savior, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end, Amen. Hmm. And that, I, you know, we're trying to, I, I'm sitting in my office thinking about you, I'm thinking I don't have anything to say and I've got everything to say and I don't quite know how to put that together. Uh, but there it is in the prayer where uh, in some ways if you've shown up today, you know, for most of you, what, what we're doing is, uh, you know, we're beyond the uh, have you been forgiven of your sins and, and does Jesus love you and will you be in heaven? Yeah. That is the first step in the Christian life, not the last step. And so what we're trying to do is figure out um, what we should look like as a congregation, or what the body of Christ looks like, or what the Christian community looks like. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things, churches have all sorts of personalities, and, and people sometimes choose based on the personality of a church. I'm not sure that's always wise, because uh, your personality, like mine, is constantly being shaped. And to be alive should be uh, to be better, to, to change, to do better, to get better. And so, you know, you enter the stream of, of a congregation at any given time. Um, and uh, if things are going along properly, it probably should change. That can sometimes make us uncomfortable. Uh, on the other hand, one of the things we have to learn about being in the church is that our discomfort has to be limited to those things which are outside the name of Jesus. So, uh, you know, so often, uh, so often that the, the church is portrayed as just, you know, sort of just getting by or just getting in or just not going to hell, which, you know, I agree is not a particularly pleasant um, idea or thought. But that is, that is only the first, the first step in what it means to be Christian, what it means to be community, what it means to be body of Christ. The, um, the women's Bible study on Friday with Nouwen's book has been particularly refreshing in this sense, and that was one of the reasons why Arthur's bit last week on Emmaus was so helpful. That um, there is this sense that Jesus comes and locates himself with us, that he's present, and that his presence changes us. And uh, we may not always like the way he changes us, and we may not like always what he intends for us, and regularly it's painful for us. And partly what we're going to see is um, you know, if I asked you about your bodies this morning, okay, I've already been through this morning, I think, a back surgery and two knee replacements. Has anybody else got anything they want to confess? <laughs> yeah, this is, you know, things start to not work very well. Uh, um, uh, you know, in, the, in your, if you, and the analogy works very well, uh, you know, even though sometimes the body doesn't work very well. There's things, uh, and we're going to see, we all have different talents, we all have different aches and pains, and yet we're all in it together. And one of the marks of, of, of maturity in a congregation, and, and the congregation you should hope for, you know, the body you should hope for, is, is a body that is able to, you know, be as vigorous and healthy together as it can, and then also um, 
you know, a body that can also endure or learn to live around uh, or learn to find a way through its own aches and pains and then often, uh, you know, to the next better thing. And that, it's, it's particularly, it's, it's particularly uh, important for a congregation to know who they are at a point when there's a lot of change. Um, you know, the clock ticks and, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're making all sorts of plans or talking about all sorts of plans, all sorts of possibilities and directions to go. You know, in you know, two years from now, you know, we're, we're to be in another location. You know, how do we do that? What are we going to be like? How are we going to manage that? You know, how, 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 can that, how can that happen? How can we be open? You know, there's a fair number of people at the Bible Church who have said, a fair number means, you know, X number of pews full of people, of people who have said, uh, even if you're leaving, we're not leaving. You know, so there's a possibility that we show up the first day and people who have been there for um, 20 years are still there. <laughs> so what are you going to do with those people? I mean, when you look at them and they're clearly not your type. We're going to Lutheran Yes, the Lutheranized sounds strikingly like euthanized. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is uh, yeah, yeah, we are going to, we, we, we do want to, so, but so, sometimes it's best to, you know, if you tell your child exactly how you're going to raise them, you know, you, you're, you, you're, that doesn't work so well, right? You know, uh, you sort of slip it into them, and then when they see it's for their own good, you know, then, then life works out. So, uh, you know, you can only think that way, though, and, and this is, you know, another good, a good gift to the Friday morning thing. You can only think that way when you know that you're not perfect. You know, the great illusion of being perfect, and, um, you know, the relief of not having to be perfect, and then the real relief of being forgiven instead of holding on to sins. And the real, the real relief of being able to say to other people, you know, I know that I know that I, you know, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that you're not perfect. And I know that's going to cause rubs sometimes. And there's a way for us not only to get past our rubs. See, most congregations can't even get past their rubs. There's a way that we can not only get past our rub, but that we can actually, you know, go forward together. Even though there was a time in our past when we may have rubbed each other the wrong way. Uh, I see this most when I watch uh, older couples who have been married a long time. You've seen this banter. I'm sure you've seen this banter, right, between older couples who've been married a long time. They have a way. And one of the curious things is how, how people who've been married 40, 50 years, have you ever noticed, and I'm, I'm talking about good marriages now, have you ever noticed how quickly they can argue something through? Oh, you did this. Well, you don't remember. You have, okay, now we're done. <laughs> you ever notice that? Where when you're younger, you sort of, you know, take a couple of days and then a couple of days of silence and then a couple of days of trying to make up and then, you know, you can't quite figure out. But older people, you know, if you, uh, Mar is Marcus here? Is he here? Beautiful, I can talk about him then. <clears throat> Marcus comes in this morning to the, don't, don't tell anybody that I told you this. Marcus comes in this morning to the Saturday. I said, Marcus, man, you're looking tired. He said, it was, you know, the baby's not been sleeping quite so well. He, he just is tired. He's worn out, and he's doing school and all that. And I said, you back and forth. And then he said something like, uh, I said, well, you know, it's you and Holly working out together. And he said, he said 
Uh, and I said to Holly, well, you can sleep when the baby sleeps. <laughs> if you're a man and you've ever said to your wife, you can sleep when the baby sleeps, you know, raise your hand. <laughs> now we're going to forgive that, right? Because you're not going to say that anymore, are you? See, church is a little like that, you see. I mean, we, we learn to grow with each other, and we say the wrong things, and we do the wrong things. What we have to remember is, that's who we are. That's the reason we're here. You know, sinner is our demographic. Okay, I mean, I get all that. But beyond, you know, sinners not going to hell, there is sinners in service to Christ. This notion of being intentional in community. And this whole thing, and I know we get scattered a little bit, and sometimes, you know, we take off for a feast day, and then we have somebody, a guest in, and it's going to be even more scattered. You know, I get that. The thing is, though, if you could, if you could all, what we need to all be doing is thinking about the same thing, which is some, you know, higher level sort of community that makes space for everybody together, even uh, with our sinfulness. So we need to talk about that a little bit. But I did give you, and I gave you this, I gave you this once before, but I'm, I'll give it to you again because this is where we've been so far. Okay, so just indulge me, the one that says number six. Okay. So here's the question. Where are we today? And what does our future look like together as we do our best? And you, you know how things sort of move? You know, things sort of add up here in Bible study. That's the way it should be. I mean, we shouldn't be the same way we always are. So you remember, for a whole year, we studied about what it is to do our best and sort of isolated that text from Philippians where he talks about maturity and obedience and a deep love for others. That's how a church knows when it's doing. So you should critique everything that happens. What do we do in the school? Well, does it go with maturity? Does it go with deep love for others? Is it obedient? You know, what do we do with the church next door? How do we decide whether we do senior care living here? What do we do with deaconesses? How do we treat students? What do we do with interns? Where are we going next? Well, you think everything through in this particular place and time. Is it marked by love for other people? Is it marked by deep obedience? And is it led, and scripture is very clear about this, and you're going to see this again in the text we read today, is it read by people who are, led by people who are spiritually mature? And there are criteria for that in scripture, even remember those very crisp words about sifting things, you know? So uh, you got the quote in the bulletin today about church being a democracy, and then Sasa saying, eh, but, not, but not quite, you know? Think it through. So how is the Lord lording us? Another way to ask that question is this, what does faith together look like? And I just guarantee you it doesn't look like a bunch of people who can say, well, I'm not going to hell. Well, at least I'm not going to hell. That's not the church. That is the first basic step of faith. That's, a, that's, just, that's just being alive. That's being you know, two months old as a Christian. Okay. What does faith together look like? And you remember this was my angst, and I had this conversation with two or three people in a row. From outside, I think it's other people's angst too. You can see it because the emergent church. For the last month, you know, Carl and I have been talking and, and, and uh, the vicar a little bit about spiritual disciplines and talking about that in the congregation. Suddenly, all my, all my emails are popping up from all kinds of sites about the spiritual disciplines and about healing. You know, that's what the church wants to be. What does faith together look like? If Christ dropped in this morning, would he recognize us as our own, as his own? If it's the second last Sunday of the church here and we all appeared before the judgment seat, that was the prayer. Would you be able to be able to lift your face up about your life and not be ashamed? To just say, I did, well, I'm glad I didn't go to hell is not a thing to be proud of. You know, that's God's gift to you. You know, to not be ashamed 
is to live not only in your own life, and, and believe me, it is difficult enough in your own life to be a Christian on your own. That is not yet the church, okay? That's why even monks live in community. One of the most difficult things is to live with other people. So it's not just about can you live on your own as a Christian. We spent a lot of time talking about that the past you know, X number of years about that your, your life should be given to Christ and Scripture, you know, both here on Sunday and through the week and your own daily devotions, to prayer, you know, every day, morning and evening was the Old Testament and the New Testament way, to the divine service, I mean, the presence of Christ burning within you, touch Christ bodily, to generous giving. You know, I just went through the shocking new members thing where I actually say, you know, 10% on the gross is the Lord's idea. I wonder if you have a better idea. Because that's the Lord's idea. Well, we've done that with all of you. And, you know, acts of mercy and words of witness. Now, the thing is, is that's just you individually. Now, the next big step is to get everybody to do that collectively, to agree on it, you know, to be accountable to each other about it. So what, what we don't want, what we don't want, and what we do have right now, we have some parishioners, I'm talking about lay people now, who are working 80 hours a week on stuff here, and we got some parishioners that we're not getting anything from. That's not the way the church should work. You're gonna see that when we talk about the body. Everybody's supposed to do what they're good at. Everybody's supposed to do what they're built for. And so part of managing how we live together is, are you in the right spot? Um, you know, in a sense, that's your group. That's your small group. That's your location. That's where you find your uh, reason to be here. What's the Lord given you that can be used well here? And how can you do that? Not by asserting your authority, this is what I'm going to do, but rather, um, uh, how can... How can you do that in the midst of uh, everybody else? I'll tell you a story. I had a friend who's a pastor. <clears throat> this tragic goes into, you know, odd. I had a friend who's a pastor in a congregation where a little boy um, got, had one of these tragic things where he got hit by a baseball and died in a little league game, okay? He was the, uh, both the grandfather and the dad were both elders. And he came to church the Sunday after the funeral. And they had made a big brass plaque in honor of the boy, and they bolted it to the church wall inside the sanctuary. Okay, now you be pastor. What do you want to do? You can tell him to take it down, but then, of course, you're unfeeling and you don't care about people. Or you can let him leave it up, and then you can deal with everybody else who ever had somebody die in their life who they really loved, right? Now, what was the problem? This goes with you don't get out of trouble, you stay out of trouble. What was the problem there? People couldn't see themselves as part of community. You know, aside from the death of a child and all the rest of that, and that people do crazy things at the death point anyway, the part of the problem was is they couldn't see themselves. The church was only about them, and the space was only about them, and it was only about their needs. You know, how, do you, how do you work with that? How do you, how do you think about that? Okay, so that's what needs, it's, it's, it's horribly difficult to be community. This is the third paragraph. It's, it's horribly difficult to be a faithful church, where faithful means always moving toward what's best. You know, it wasn't the time of Jesus, take up your cross and follow me, and there were people who just turned to Jesus and just left him. It's horribly difficult to be a Christian. And it was in the early days. So he repeatedly says that the early church was infiltrated with all kinds of false things. 
And that's why you have letters written to young pastors like Timothy and says, uh, you know, be careful, sift this, don't let them despise you because of your youth. It's not about you being young, it's not about you at all. It's about doctrine, it's about what's healthy, it's about what's good for the community. Pay attention to these things and put it there and then let the chips fall where they fall. Speaking of which, um, gain exhortation next week, four o'clock. Uh, it'll be full blast Lord's Supper service just like in the morning or on Saturday night. So uh, please come along for that. It is an extraordinarily uh, strange and wonderful thing, okay? To get the gospel right, and now this is, this is wholly antithetical to how normally people talk, and it's because we can't distinguish the public, uh, I'm sorry, it's because we can't distinguish what is private from what is personal. Is your faith personal? Yes. Is it private? No. Okay. So you're always under authority, and you're always in community. Everybody. If you can find a Christian who's not under authority, one must ask whether they're really a Christian. It's always in community. It's always part of the ecclesia, the called out. You're always part of the children of Israel. You're always part of the body. You're always part of the church. That's who you are. You're not your own. You know, the Ten Commandments are about God and other people. What else do you want to know? This is the most difficult thing to not think it's about, to think it's about, it's about we and not I. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. We're called out. This is the koinonia, the assembly. This is who we are. And then what I've tried to suggest to you is that our life together is marked by these things, that Christ is really here. And once again, you know, how do you know Christ is here? Well, partly, there's, there's a couple of ways you know Christ is here. One is that some people do have this experience that their hearts burns within them. And people do have that experience. Um, there are sometimes people who, who have been looking for something their entire life, and they walk in, and they found it. They, they get near to it, and their heart just burns inside them. That, in fact, happens for some people. Um, there are some people who don't have that experience, but they have a different experience. And this is one that I'm afraid that we don't provide often enough, which is that Christ is mediated through you. That is, not everybody is going to hear and immediately have their heart soothed. In fact, for some people, life gets worse when they join the church because it digs up all the stuff that's always been there, that's been unforgiven, that's been pushed down for years and years. So life gets worse. Sometimes it gets worse. For those people, the experience of the church, and this is what we need to get better at, the experience of the church is you together, one, not only loving each other, so that's already a big hurdle, but also you who love each other, then loving them. And so they have the experience not of their heart burning within them. That doesn't always happen. Instead, what they have the sense for the first time in their life, somebody actually loves them for who they are. Now, it is horribly difficult for us to do that for other people if we can't do it for ourselves. That's why it's terribly important that we together understand that being in the church is not the bare minimum. I know that, that being a bare minimum church is the easiest way to get really big, really fast. I know, I know that. I'm well aware of that. I also think that may be, as we enter this century, the biggest challenge in the church right now. Why are the churches in Africa and Asia growing and the churches in America diminishing? 
because the churches in Africa and Asia, Asia have exceptionally strong bishops. In fact, you know, we were trying to get um, Bishop Obari here to do uh, Josh's, uh, to be part of Josh's confirmation. He's, a, he's the extraordinarily strong. You know, he and Finn are the two guys. Finn, we can't, you know, pry him out of Ghana with a crowbar. We'd, we'll take Finn anytime we can get him, but we can't get him, you know. Obari is the bishop of Kenya, who is one of these select African bishops who have begun to plant missions back in Europe. Uh, there will be a guy, it looks like, from Sweden, who Obari or, ordained as a mission province back to Sweden uh, because the Swedes are so out of kilter in terms of what the church is. Okay. So, so uh, you know, why, why is the church flourishing in Asia and Africa? Because people are dropping bombs on them, people are killing them, people are starving them to death, and they have extraordinarily strong bishops and, who teach them that the way of Christ is hard and the way of Christ is communal, and life or death, we stick together. We don't face those kind of challenges, and we aren't given to that sort of authority. And so the church in America sort of, you know, is, is, is a bit, you know, a bit of pablum often. Okay, so what's the answer to that? Well, I don't know what anybody else is gonna do, but what we're gonna do here is live by the sort of healthy things that Jesus delivers. And that's very difficult because first it's we together, we run against that, and then it's we together for others. And that's what we, we've done in the first couple of weeks. What we've seen is that the church is meant to be uh, words of mercy for other people, but also acts of mercy for other people. You know, so we all have to get together, you know, just as who we are, all the people who are here, and then one way that people join the church is not just that their heart burns within them, but that the love of other people just just burns all around them when they show up. So we got a lot, we got a long way to go. Because that takes a life of living for other people. We just have a long way to go. Doesn't mean you're bad people. Doesn't mean we've done a bad job as pastors. It just means that maybe we need to lift our eyes up a little bit higher and see other people. You know, we need to see Jesus in a different life as a guy not who just gets us out of hell, but a guy who's called us to a community and then has called us to grow that community through generosity and care of the soul and being merciful to other people and witnessing. Um, the trick is not in the numbers. The trick is in the faithfulness. That's how Jesus talks. And Jesus didn't do that well with the numbers. There were very few people around the cross saying, that's my guy. Very few people like that. In John 6, I mean, we... I preached about this for two months. In John 6, you know, people are saying, that's not for me. Okay. You know, that doesn't make us wrong. It just means it's not for you. But you all who have come this morning, you're saying that it is for you. So what I'm trying to say is, okay, the next couple of steps, one, community together, and two, community for other people. That's what's going to make the difference, okay? So our life together is marked by Christ present, who embodies God. And then Christ who embodies us. Christ exists here as community because we are his body. That's what makes me, me. And that, more importantly, is what makes us, us. And then Christ moves us to do what we wouldn't do without him. There's no people. You know, go to a cocktail party sometime and slip into the first pagan you meet uh, that you tithe. You'll have something to talk about the rest of the night. <laughs> I'm serious. Or if it's not that, just tell them that you've put in 300 hours of Christmas sharing this year. Just kind of slip that into the conversation. 
people will not be able to understand you, which is good, because if the world understands it, you probably have it wrong. So the divine life of the Trinity, you know, heaven comes to earth, expresses itself in and through Christ, through this body, through this community. The divine life, and we talked about this at the beginning, is a life of mutual love. Father and Son love each other by way of the Holy Spirit. That's delivered to us with words, I forgive you, and with works, the cross, and mercy, and care. And Jesus was very clear about, if you do it to the xenos among you, if you do it to the stranger, you did it to me. So however you talk to your wife, your kid, your in-laws this Thanksgiving, okay, you know what? You did it to them. Now the next step. What do you do when, uh, I, was, I was in California a couple of weeks ago and I was struck by, um, and I, I don't know why I always have to relearn this, but there are, my, my offhanded comment was, why are there so many homeless people here? And the answer was, because the weather's nice and everybody else wants to be here too. There are homeless people every 10 feet. Can you sit down with lunch and somebody sits down next to you? You know, there are people standing at the doors of restaurants waiting to take your carry out. Have you had this happen? People stand at the door and they take your doggy bag from you as you go out. Have you ever had this happen to you? It's a regular occurrence. People sort of, they sort of say, hey, can we, can we have that? I mean, what do you do with all that? And how do you remember that, Jesus actually says, and how do you teach your kids to do it? Because partly to give to everybody on the street is just to be duped. So how do you teach your, and how do you do it? How do you do it with, and how do we do it when we have people who walk in? We had a lady here who wanted to take up residency apparently last week. She came back three different times in three different places and was very comfortable to, well, I don't know, live in the sacristy if we'd let her. So, you know, what do we do with that? Because she's a stranger to us. How do we care for that? You see, you got to figure that out. And this is exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus sat down at the table, he sat down with people who were very much unlike him, and he liked them. And they liked him. And part of what you're trying to figure out how to do is to sit down next to somebody whom you would never in a million years invite to your house for dinner and to engage them as family, as community as worthy of being part of the body of Christ. How in the world do you do that? See, in some ways, it's kind of interesting how churches change, you know, through the years. But, you know, we're at, a, we're at a different place than we were 10 years ago. We have a different set of problems. It's a good set of problems, but they are just as difficult as the other problems we had. If we wanted to sort of, you know, uh, you know, and you remember, and, I, and, I, and I'm talking about the Bible church because that's what the church has decided to do, but I just want to remind you that my, remember that my speech to you for about a year was, we need to do something, and I don't care if it's put a congregation downtown, buy the Bible church, do pick Russia, whatever. We picked what was the most common, and in some ways the easiest path, which was to buy the Bible church and expand this campus. And that's fine, and that's where we're going now. So now as we begin to talk about that, we have a whole different set of problems or questions or challenges that we need to engage. That's what the congregation has decided to do. So there's sort of no looking back. That's where we're going. And we need to talk about it explicitly, and we need to talk about it without looking back, and we need to say what's the best thing we can do. That is, a, if we wanted to you know, sell the property to the east and uh, sell the property to the north and sort of um, go back to two services instead of three so there'd be no place, no, 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 no room for anybody to join and not fix the parking as a way to limit our numbers. 
I mean, I, honest, honestly now, I'm being, I'm being serious with you. If we wanted to do that, that is one way to proceed. You know, that's the other side of the coin. And you know, I could be very comfortable and I could work way less hours and you'd probably need you know, a few less staff and we could probably just sort of maintain ourselves and we could all kind of be happy together as happy as you can be, uh, being unfaithful. So, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, but part of the thing is, is what does Jesus say that the kingdom of God is? You know, the kingdom of God is for strangers. The kingdom of God is for others. The kingdom of God is for those that don't. Why is, why is Jesus always on the road? Why is he always busy going places? Because you gather people in. So we're at a different place now. You know, we've sort of sorted out who we are. We know where we're going. We need to practice that among ourselves as the body of Christ, and we also need to look to include other people. It's not about getting big, okay? And occasionally that pops up, you know, oh, oh, this is about getting big. It's not about getting big. It's about, you know what? You're remarkably talented, and you have an awful lot of gifts, and you have an awful lot of money, and an awful lot of education, and you're very creative and very successful. So a group like you should be able to figure out what to do with hungry people in wheat, because they're here too. You know, a group like you should be figure out to, what to do with our teenage kids. You should be able to figure it out, and not only figure out, you should be able to do that, right? And that takes, you know, resources and time and space and all those sorts of things. The worst thing you can do as a Christian is hunker down. There's none of that in Scripture. There's no place anywhere in Scripture is that in Scripture. It's nowhere. You know, the Christian life is always about the next thing. It's always about the next thing. It's always about doing better. Yes, it's about being thankful for what you've got, but it's about using what you've got, especially in these last years of the last weeks of the church year. It's about using what you've got to advance the kingdom. And you are a particularly you are a, in a particularly advantageous situation that the Lord has blessed you with this kind of talent and these kinds of resources and the possibility to have more space here as opposed to moving somewhere else or doing something else, that's all lying before you. You can't, it's like the Lord himself is running a brush hog in front of this congregation. Do you know what a brush hog is? You probably don't. You know what a brush hog is? We should get one. <laughs> you know, yeah, where do you want it? Well, there are some, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. This is, you know, it's like the Lord himself is just is clear in the, clear in the, it's like, it's like it comes to you so quickly you don't know what to do with it. So now you need to know what to do with it. And that runs us all the way down to this sense of, and, and this is somebody else's phrase, not mine, but I was very happy to have it, intentional community. You know, that you would begin to think intentionally about what it means, and I'm going to press you, not only to love this group in here, and that's hard enough. Okay, and we know how to do that. Well, at least we should by now. I mean, if we don't, if we don't live intentionally in this community, it's because we don't want to, not because we don't know how. You know, we know that we are all sinners. We know that we need to forgive. We know that we need to overlook people where they rub, rub us the wrong way. And we know that if it gets really bad that Matthew 18 is the way to proceed. And kind of beyond that, that's enough, right? So if we don't, if we don't do it in, in this place at this time, if we don't do it, it's not because... It's not because we don't know what to do. It's because we, we don't want to do it. I want to do it. And I think a lot of you want to do it too. You wouldn't be investing another hour here. You could be home getting ready for the bears. You know? I know that. Okay, so look around the room. You know, and I know it's a little bit, it's a little bit of, a, of, a, of a lighter crowd today because of Thanksgiving. You know, when the kids have a whole week off, we're going to have two light Sundays. We know that. But look around the room at the people who are here. These are your, your compatriots. These are the people who get it. There are, of course, other people who get it. Don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, so don't, don't quote me in that direction. I know people are traveling, and people travel on business and all that. I, 
But if you look around, I'm not saying the anti thing, I'm just saying the thing. Look around the room here at these people. These people get it, they want to get it, they want to figure it out. What I'm prompting you to is you got to figure it out beyond the walls of this room. That's, that's what we're aiming for, okay? So last couple of things. Everybody here is meant to carry his or her own weight. You're all meant to carry your own weight, you know? Really the time has passed where you can um, not give what you can give and do what you can do and expect somebody else to pick up the slack and you know, maybe even complain about it loudly enough that somebody else will come in and do it for you. Those days are over because you cannot go forward beyond yourself with that, with that kind of behavior. What, the way it has to be is that we all look at ourselves very carefully. We look at ourselves in the midst of this community and we, then we look beyond this community, what's the next thing we can do as community? You all need to carry your own weights according to gift, the gifts the Lord has given you, and you need to struggle to do your best, the best possible thing for this church. And at the end of the day, what you need to do is remember that God makes community. The worst thing we can do, the worst thing that can, do, you, that can happen today as you leave is that you get all jacked up about how you're going to make a community here or you're going to make big plans and move next door, or we're going to make big plans and double the school, or we're going to make big plans and build a senior center here. The worst thing you can do is think that you're all going to do that, or that I'm going to do that. God makes community. It'll be a miracle if we can actually pull this off. If we can look back in 10 or 20 years and say, yeah, we not only sort of all pulled together on our own, and we sort of kept a watch on ourselves, we sort of lived by way of healthy doctrine, and we live from the supper and our baptism, and we live by way of Matthew 28, and we did that in a mature Christian way. That would be just an amazing thing. That would be an amazing thing for any church. It'd be even more amazing if we said, and then we all sort of decided together, and we all pulled together, and we did these things, whatever they turned out to be, and we did them really well, and we, none of us all got our way, and that was okay. Because in a church of 200 people, like you gathered here today, or 2,000 people, everybody can't get their way, just like when you go to work every day. Not everybody gets, your, your day is filled with compromise. You know, from being stuck in traffic on the freeway to whatever proposal you presented that didn't get accepted. Your world is filled with compromise, it's filled with compromise here, and that all has to be okay. You get up and go back to work every day, you get up every Sunday and you come back here. That's where we are, and that's how we need to think. Beyond ourselves, into this community, and then beyond this community, out to other people. That's the principle. The strategy is what we're trying to figure out what to do next, okay, and how that'll exactly look. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to say, that's what Christ did for us, and that's what my church did. And in the course of that, you play fair, and you play healthy, and you play as community, and things are worked out, and life is good, and that's what the church is meant to be. That's the only reason to come back. Okay, you ready to go to the second pages now? Because I'm, you know. I tell you what, we'll do the next page uh, next week, I think. I can't remember if Pastor Quill was going to talk next week or not. He's in Russia, so I can't get a hold of him. He's going to, you know, land from Russia, and we're going to pick him up, I think, and take care of him. But we'll, um, we'll talk about what that means specifically. If you want to work ahead a little bit, start to read. And I gave you some very specific references to the body word. But most of those are contained in very large paragraphs that describe exactly what the church is supposed to look like. And if you could please just start to look at that, I think it may change your view about how you um, think.
think about the person who's sitting next to you and about where things are going, okay? Try to, try to think about that. All right, let's pray. Let's go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.